Welcome to Art for All, sponsored by Sketchbook School. As a thank you for joining us, I'd like to give you a free ebook and our monthly newsletter full of tips, recommendations, and other cool stuff. Just head over to sketchbookschool.com to claim your freebies and to learn more about our classes and workshops and our membership program. We believe that art is for everyone, and I hope our podcast inspires you to create and explore your own artistic journey. Thanks for listening. On with the show. Welcome to Art for All, the Sketchbook School podcast. I'm your host, Danny Gregory. Each week I bring you stories and ideas and interviews and inspiration to keep you company while you work on your own creative project. Whether you are drawing your foot or recording your own podcast or uh, sewing a pair of gym shorts or designing the perfect table setting or creating a delicious milkshake. I hope this episode inspires you. That's our mission at Sketchbook School, to help encourage art for all, including you, of course. Now, this episode is going to be the last of the season, number 15. We'll be taking a short break so we can finish our preparations for the SketchCon convention in Pasadena, California. That's November 2nd through 4th. If you'd like to join us, please head over to SketchCon.com and sign up before the last tickets are gone. In a few weeks, we'll also be celebrating the fifth year since we started Sketchbook School. So we decided to devote this episode to talking about what it's like to start a creative business from scratch, the obstacles that we faced, the lessons we learned, and the ways that we've changed things as we evolved. Starting any business is really complicated, but as creative people who love to solve problems, it's been a wonderful and a challenging experience, really the most extraordinary of our lives. So this week, my guests are my co-founder, Kosha Kona, and our Dean of Students, Morgan Green. We are going to go into the origins of Sketchbook School, our goals and our mission, uh, the many mistakes that we've made, the lessons we've learned, where we are today, and where we hope to go. If you've ever taken a course at Sketchbook School, I think you'll find it interesting. And if you're a creative person contemplating starting a business of your own, I hope that our experiences will offer some guidance. All right, let's get Kosha and Morgan on the line and rewind the time machine. Hey, Kosha. Hi. So, Kosha, I want to talk about the history of Sketchbook School um, and go down every kind of path we can think of to try and just tell the story of it, but really... My goal with this is in part to kind of record our history, but also to share the process that we went through so that people who are thinking of starting their own creative businesses and setting up creative partnerships and stuff like that will be able to learn from what we've done. Yeah, our process meaning uh, inventing the wheel over and over again. <laughs> exactly, we are wheel we are wheel makers, um, and yeah, it's been it's been a very complicated story i think uh i think when you look at what we do now it feels fairly polished but those of us 
who have been there since the beginning, including a lot of the listeners probably and, and old time sketchbook school students know that we've had to, through trial and error, go through a lot of different things. But I wanted to yeah. start really talking about before sketchbook school, like what were the things that kind of went on behind the scenes with both of us that led us to this point? So, um, I'll tell my end of the story a little bit, um, but I think let's begin with you. When you and I first started talking about sketchbook school, mm-hmm. what, tell me about your life at that point. What were you What were you doing for a living, and kind of where were you at in general? Yeah, well, at that point, I was actually a barista at a coffee shop um, because I was kind of trying to figure out a way to make a living out of illustration, drawing, and also teaching art. So I had set up um, uh, online courses, a few online courses um, that were really about, mostly about techniques, I think. My very first online course was called Just Draw It, and it, it was really explaining a lot of basic drawing techniques uh, that I taught in um, uh, videos and text. And, of course, it had a lot of, you can do this, in it as well. Um, and from that course sprouted different courses um, after that. But um, So that, that's what, that was what I was doing, trying to make a living out of those online courses and then combined with some extra barista work just because I love coffee so much. And uh, it was a fun job, but I wouldn't have wanted to do this, that for years. And actually that job, I... I I think I worked there for two or three months and then I already had to quit because we started sketchbook school and that took so much time. I didn't even have time for the barista work anymore. So that's, that, that was a point I was at in my life. I just had a few years of really trying to figure out where I wanted to go, what kind of choices I wanted to make career wise. I quit my photography business, my freelance work, because it just didn't give me any, um, any spark anymore. Um, after about 10 years of doing it. So that, that was a little bit of a searching period, I think. And, uh, I think searching is a really, really great, a starting point or a, d- a diving point, I'm not sure, a springboard um, for starting new things. So how did you come to be teaching online? I mean, you hadn't studied to be a teacher. You'd studied no. graphic design and photography. So ha- why did you think you could teach? And what, were there things that you'd experienced that kind of inspired you? Were there like classes you'd taken? Or how did you figure out that part of it? Because that's really what you and I began co- talking about was um, like, how do you do this? So how did you do it? Yeah, well, you know, I read somewhere and I just read it recently, but I've, I've read it before and I don't know if it's a quote from someone, but I read somewhere, um, if you want to learn something really well, you teach it to others. And I think actually that is how I, how I started my first online course. I was really getting back into learning more techniques um, in drawing just because I wanted to um, broaden my skills. And while I was doing that, um, I was taking courses for it. 
and I was taking online courses and I saw things that I really liked, you know, platforms that I really liked or forms or uh, forms of presentation that I really liked. And I also saw things that I really did not like. And actually there was one course, I don't even remember which one it was, but um, I was in that course and I felt a little bit disappointed by it just because the community was a little bit dull and the, the, um, the material was also not very um, challenging. And I had this thought, like, I can do this better. And then once I had that thought, I was like, why don't I? So that's actually when I started gathering all my notes and all my different, um, all the different um, uh, exercises that I really liked and that I really got some very big aha moments from. I started collecting those and started to just create lesson material out of it with a really crappy camera. <laughs> and it really looked horrible, but it was very effective. Um, so that's really how it started, just because my own experience in some of the courses wasn't that great. Um, and I also knew that my own lesson material might not have been perfect, but um, I also knew that if I would keep perfecting stuff, that it would never happen. So I just thought I will just throw this out and I will see what kind of response I get from people who take the course. And from there on, I can just tweak and, you know, um, make things look better, sound better and um, grow as a teacher as well. So that's Yeah. I, mean, I think, I think that what you did is a really good approach, which is it's better to do an imperfect thing that's out there than it is to constantly futz with it and, you know, strive for some kind of perfection. You got to get it out yeah. there. I mean, in software development, that's kind of the way they always do it, right? You put out a beta product yeah. and you see how people feel about it and you start to learn. And that's kind of what's guided us, I think, throughout um, at Sketchbook School also is like that philosophy of just see what people say about it and then figure out how to make it better. Because a lot of times you don't know the best way to improve it. And that's certainly, um, you know, it's, it's nerve wracking and you don't want to go out there with something that's not great, but you sort of have to, particularly when you're doing something brand new. Yeah. And you know, I also figured I don't really have anything to lose. I mean, I was working as a barista. I liked it, but it wasn't like, that was my plan for the rest of my life, you know? And, um, I mean, if it wouldn't have been successful, then, well, after a while would have just, you know, killed the website and moved on to do something else. So I think it's also really about how important you make it. Um, and, and taking that risk for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I started, I think in a, I, had, I was in a different place than you were, but in, uh, but I think I had similar attitudes. You know, I had been in advertising for all these years, 30 years, and the summer of 2013, that's what we're talking about. So that's five years ago. I had, uh, decided to, to quit my job and I had told the people who I worked for that I was finished. And they said, can you stay here for a couple more months just to, you know, pass the torch. And so I did, but while I was doing it, I was definitely thinking about what I was going to do next. And 
a couple of things happened that were pretty influential. One was that my then girlfriend and now wife was offered a job in Los Angeles. And so she said, what do you think about moving to LA? And I felt like, okay, well, that's an opportunity to really reinvent my life and to do something completely new in a completely new place and to break all the connections that I have. So um, I decided to go along with that, even though it was kind of scary and I didn't know what it was going to be like. Um, But also I had been invited that early summer, late spring, uh, to do a workshop at a place called Row in Massachusetts, which Rowe is this beautiful um, summer camp that when kids aren't there in the summer, they open it to adults and they do different kinds of courses there. So I announced on my blog that I was going to do this class this weekend workshop there. And I personally had never been to a weekend workshop. I'd never really been to a workshop of any kind. I honestly had no real idea what I was doing or how to fill the time or what the hell we would be doing. But um, Jenny and I went up to Massachusetts and there were 50 people who had joined us for this workshop. And it was just really interesting. I mean, it was really a great experience. People were really enthusiastic. People were very sharing that was a big part of it people told their stories and um and were very honest and i really learned a lot about about community that weekend um just seeing how all these people came together most of whom didn't know each other but they came together and um were sharing what they did they were learning together and they were finding all the things that they had in common and i also found that kind of like the experience of teaching, but I really didn't feel qualified for it. And it was very, very physically taxing. Mm. You know, I had spent like several months getting ready for it just because I was so nervous about it and making all these presentations and slideshows and stuff like that. I, in fact, brought a trunk with all of my sketchbooks. So I brought like a hundred sketchbooks with me in a trunk. <laughs> and, I, and, and we had one evening, we all sat down and everybody got to look at my sketchbooks and talk about them. Um, but then at the end of the weekend, I went home and I was completely wiped out. And I thought, well, how am I going to do this? Like, if this is one of the things that I'm going to do in my new life, give workshops, like this is really challenging. And it also felt to me like, while I had loved the 50 people that had been there, I also thought this is an awful lot of work to teach 50 people. And it's also so short. Like we went there, you know, they formed a Facebook group afterwards to continue the connection, but I just felt like, boy, it was a lot. And then it kind of disappeared. And I, and, and I'd been thinking about, um, wanting to do something online because I have a friend named Andrea Cher who is, lives in San Francisco and I'd known her for a long time and she had been teaching classes, uh, about, about creativity, about, um, soulfulness. And she showed me one of her classes and it was, a lot of it was just, um, writing. It was just, there wasn't any video. It was just a couple of pictures and, um, and some, text and maybe some PDFs that you download. But what I noticed in her classes was, and a lot of times there would be a couple hundred people taking the class, they were very engaged with each other. And she would ask them questions um, to start conversations. And the conversations got really, really in depth. And I thought, this is really interesting. This is just an online platform with people typing in text, almost like Facebook or something. But people are really, really into it. And they're, um, you know, and she had gotten some volunteers who had taken the class before to act as teaching assistants. Um, and so she told me like, this is just a business that she had started uh, and it had 
she was able to roll out these courses and run them again and again and again. And she had put the work in, she and a partner put the work into doing it initially. But after that, it kind of ran itself. And I thought, huh, that's really interesting. Um, that it's possible to have a kind of a business of these courses, but also that you can have this kind of level of engagement with people. Those are two things that I definitely was thinking about. Uh, and I also, you know, I'd been ever since about a year before uh, DSLR cameras had started to become affordable. And so these are cameras that you can film, take photographs with, but you can also make video with, but the quality of what you could make and the way that you could change lenses and stuff like that was really, really high quality. And I thought this is kind of like the quality of production that I was used to in advertising. And I had learned a lot about aver- about production over all these years of making commercials. But normally when you'd make a commercial, you would spend anywhere from $300,000 to $10 million to make a, a commercial. You know, I'd spend a huge amount of time working on these things. And you would, you know, you would spend anywhere from two or three days to a month filming uh, the material for the commercial. And it was just a very, very involved thing. But somehow the, these DSLR cameras suddenly made it possible to make your own videos and they, and online, at least they had really good quality. They looked almost as good. So I thought, okay, if you have the right ideas and you learn the skills without a giant crew, it's possible to make high quality video. And also around that time, um, it was things, platforms like Vimeo and YouTube were making it possible to share those things online. And Andrea had also told me about the platform that she was using, which was called Rizuku. And she said, this platform, it doesn't cost an awful lot of money to, to just put all your materials up there and they kind of run the technology part of it. So it can be a really, uh, you know, accessible platform. So I thought, okay, this is really good. Like I can get the people together and, um, you know, I, I can also, uh, put the, product up there make the make the videos but the part i didn't understand quite was like how do you actually teach this stuff and how do you do that so that led me to november of that year when i was invited to go to amsterdam to to be the keynote speaker at this big education conference and so i posted on facebook and i said um one does anybody know anything about teaching online and two uh, i'm going to be going to amsterdam is anybody there and that's where you come that's where our stories cross again that's where my uh email um inbox exploded with people who were in my course emailing me you got to head over to danny's blog because he wants to you should meet him (laughs) i was like "Uh, okay so that's yeah i think that's that's really what sparked it all yeah, and so, I was uh, back then. I was actually also uh, using Rizuku. I think it was really one of the very rare platforms that um, uh, had um, online um, uh, that was really um, made for online courses. Right. That was. I think that, that. I mean, there are a lot of them now, but at that time, it yeah. was very early. Um, people were using. WordPress and things like that. It was just, it was, people hadn't really figured it out. And, and it was just an e-course and you would get things in your email every week or so. Right. And I think there was, and so a lot of the things that we have now made, um, 
you know, a standard thing in schedule school, we're really not that standard. I mean, having people make comments, uh, but also having allowing people to upload their art and share it, and particularly to do it on the kind of scale that I, that we wanted to do it on, that was different. So anyway, yeah. so I came, I came that November to Amsterdam, and you and I got together, and we had um, uh, one cup of coffee. That was really kind of where it all began. Yeah. And yeah, so we talked about all these things that we were both interested in, and we talked about you know our love of sketchbooks, of course, and we did. Um, we drew together and we had just like a really nice time. And then I think we had dinner a second time with your husband, Pascal, mm -hmm. while I was there. So, but I was only in Amsterdam for four days. Um, but it was clear like we had uh, a connection. We, we got along really well. We had similar ideas. And so then I came back to California and you and I just started to email each other and to talk about, hmm, I want to have this good. And then you, you came up with a really great idea, which was, well, why don't you explain what your idea was in terms of making it uh, a collaboration and um, a showcase? Yeah, right? well, that idea sprouted out of um, my own courses because I realized that I could only teach the things that I knew, you know, and that, I mean, I was broadening my skills all the time. I think every artist is doing that. We're always learning. So every time I learn something new, I could put it online as, you know, to share. But um, I was following a lot of people on their blogs and on social media. And, um, you know, I was like, I can teach just so little of so much that is out there in the world, world, you know, um, what if we could learn from all these artists who are amazing, but I know how hard it is to set up a course and to market it all and to do that. Why, how could we, how could I even, you know, get people together and, um, um, uh, share all the knowledge from all these different approaches instead of one approach, which you often see in courses. There's one teacher, there's one sort of technique or theme. Um, what if we could combine people who are awesome? And that's basically what I, what I emailed you, I think. Like, I don't know what the form should be, whether it should be a course or an offline event or maybe a book. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, we just started brainstorming and soon enough, uh, I think you, uh, came up with the sketchbook school, um, URL and, uh, sketchbook school was born. Yeah. I mean, I had, um, a lot of friends also who were sketchbook artists and who yeah. I had, who I had kind of accumulated over the years. And I had done a couple of books at that point that were collecting people together. And some of my good friends were people like Roz Stendhal, Prashant Miranda, Tommy Kane, um, Jane LaFazio. And I thought, okay, what if, what if we do a collaboration where we each make one week of a class and then, uh, you know, you, Kosha and I will take care of making it into a business. But all we wanted from the teachers was just make the videos that will make up your week and then send them to us and we'll handle all the rest of it and just let the people who know, who, who know you, um, know about it. So that didn't turn out to be quite as easy as it seemed in part <laughs> because somebody can be a great sketchbook artist. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a great teacher. 
And it also doesn't necessarily mean that they're a great filmmaker. So finding, you know, putting all of those things into the teacher's hands was an experiment that worked in different ways. So for instance, um, you know, Roz Stendhal ended up hiring a video crew to film her class in Minneapolis. And then they sent us the finished films, which was okay. Um, you know, it was, it was interesting. I think it didn't quite capture all of the things that make Roz wonderful, but, um, that was her way of doing it. Prashant was traveling across India and he filmed a bunch of stuff himself. And then he also had a friend film a couple of demos with him. So, and that was filmed on really low, uh, resolution cameras and it was a little nutty, but it was fine. And then Tommy Kane, um, he asked me to help him and, and I ended up filming him, uh, in his apartment. And I remember it was pouring with rain and there was all this like rain bashing against the rain, the air conditioner and the windows really noisy. And, um, and he and I had made several films together, um, some in which he was the subject. And I was the subject and others in which other friends of ours who were artists were subjects and they were called sketchbook films. And those had been really much more high quality productions. Um, we had really tried to make documentary films that were almost on the level of what we had done, uh, as, uh, f- you know, uh, in advertising. So, and then, um, Jane LaFazio, she made some films herself, basically filming them with her webcam. And then I went to see her in San Diego and I filmed the, her demonstrate, her demo where we, you know, really tried to make it as good as possible. But it was, it was interesting. I mean, I think it came together, but we also realized like this isn't quite the way we need to do it in the future. I think we need to take yeah. a bit more control. And then we well, started. I mean, it was, it was really an experiment. It was. Because, right. I mean, I remember if I look at the videos that I made for that first course, I cringe. I mean, <laughs> Right. I did that with the help of my husband and a small camera and with the help of my dad. And <laughs> it was really fun, but it's, it's also, you know, we were just trying this thing out. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I realized how difficult yeah. it is to do things on your own. Even yes. having one other person to help you film makes a big difference. And now, of course, we just use film crews and it's a lot easier. But boy, you, you know, you film something and then you realize, oh, no, it's all out of focus or I looked really sweaty or there was something hanging out of my nose and I had to reshoot the whole thing. It just went back and forth. <laughs> yeah. But also around that time, we started telling people that we were going to be doing this and we spent I, I would say three or four months letting people know yeah. that this was going on and people started to get excited and we ended up f- creating the sketchbook school fo- f- um, Facebook group. I think we might've even done it before the course launched. If I remember oh, properly, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah but it was, uh, it, but it took us, as I said, um, it was probably five or six months from when we, you and I had that first conversation till when we yeah. put out the very first class, which was called beginning beginnings at that point yeah. um and then we uh but we rizuku had a limit you could you could only have two thousand people in a class and we got really close to that limit i mean over the course of those weeks i we remember i remember actually that we were setting up that class i was building the class on rizuku and then you need to fill in the amount of students you expect in there and I remember <laughs> asking you on, on, I think via email, like, do you think 500, maybe 750? And you were like, yeah, let's do 750. And once we opened up sales, 750 was reached within a day, I think. Yeah. 
So I pushed it to 1500, which was the max on Ruzuku. Oh, was it 1500? Yeah. yeah, it was 1500. That filled up very quickly. And then uh, we contacted Ruzuku and they said, well, we think we can push it until 2000, but that's really it. That's the limit. And that filled up. Yeah, I mean, that, and that was obviously really exciting. And we did a lot of oh, like, yeah. we, we, we talked about it all the time. We were always on Facebook talking about it, making videos, doing all kinds of stuff, really promoting it, but building it up. But we, we were still kind of anxious about how it worked. So then um, when it, it launched, I'm trying to think when I'm trying to remember when Morgan joined us. I'm going to bring in Morgan, who is our she Dean of Students, know. and Morgan will be able to answer these questions because Morgan knows yeah. everything about this stuff. Hey, Morgan. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. So we we're just talking about when we launched beginning. And I'm trying to remember when did you start to help us out? Yeah, so that was probably back in because right when I joined you guys, you had just launched beginning. And I think that that was in. I want to say 2013. No, it was 2014. Like I, think. I, I thought I came on in 14 and you guys had just launched. Yeah. A course before I, like, was, prior yes. to my arrival, I guess. So I started with you in 14. Yeah. 14 yeah. is when we launched yeah. um, in March of 14 was when we actually brought out the first course. Okay. Um, and, th and then, you know, so you joined us really to, I mean, there were just so many questions we were getting from people. It was just way more complicated than we thought it was going to be. We thought yeah. we'd just put it up there and it would happen. But why don't you tell us about right. what you were doing from the very beginning there? Yeah. So when I joined um, you guys at Sketchbook School, it started out just sort of as a supporting role. Um, clearly, there were things you guys needed help with and just there were so many things going on. And I thought that, you know, my background was in art and education and kind of community related stuff. Um, so at the time I was working for a nonprofit, you know, sort of not nearly full time. And then I thought that, you know, you guys could use some help. So I kind of jumped in sort of as a moonlighter, just helping you with customer service and, and curriculum building and that sort of thing. Um, and from that point, things just started to spiral and there were more people involved and um, there were more projects and more things to do. Yeah, it got, it got pretty complicated pretty quickly. Um, and then we, and then um, after beginning had rolled out, we decided to do another class called seeing and our idea that, that Kosha and I would be, would each teach a week in every class that we did, but then we would find other friends of ours to do it. And so we, you know, we had enough people that we knew, but we decided that we would hire uh, crews to help us film. So we filmed Brenda Swenson in, um, in Pasadena. And we actually did a fairly risky thing, which is I hired a guy, a crew in Sydney to film Liz Steele. And yeah. I just talked a lot to both of them and then they kind of went and did it. Um, but it came out really beautifully. And then, um, we had, uh, Kathy Johnson who has, she's kind of, um, a shy person. And she said, Oh no, no, I couldn't have a film crew here. Let me just figure out how to film it myself, which she did. And Andrea Joseph also said, Oh, I'm too shy to be on camera, <laughs> um, which is a bit crazy. But then, uh, you went over there, right? Kosha. I mean, you've, you've uh, actually, she was in the middle of, um, 
an, uh, the preparation of an exhibition and she has a small home. So she was like, I, I can't even, I don't even know where to start or how to even handle this. So I actually invited her over to Amsterdam and we filmed in Amsterdam. That's right. Yeah. So it was really good for her to not be at home and be really focused on filming. And, um, I filmed her. We didn't have a crew or anything. It was just me and her. And I think that made it that she could do it, uh, you know, in spite of her shyness. And, um, well, I think uh, now years later, she's not that shy at all anymore on camera. I, I mean, she, we even have a whole course by her now, a separate yeah. course. So, I mean, I think it's been interesting to see the teachers who we've used. And as we said, it began with people who we knew and then it, it, as, as we developed, we started to get people who we didn't really know that well, but whose art we really liked. And so we would just constantly be looking on Instagram. Well, actually, Instagram was kind of barely existed at that point, but, um, Instagram and looking for portfolios on websites, but also books and just people who we knew and then writing to people and just saying, you know, uh, this is this thing we're doing. Would you be interested in? And I think, we got a surprisingly positive response from almost everybody who we ever contacted wanting saying that they would be interested in doing it. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the cool thing. So, so then we, then we started to um, roll it out and to, to go and, and make, I mean, we were making basically three or four of these courses each year, um, but they were always an, quite a lot of work because we would have to go to the teacher's studios and that involved traveling you traveled across europe i traveled across america and you know each we would spend weeks working with the teachers on their content and then we would go and film it so we did beginning and seeing and then by the next class was storytelling right um so storytelling we were a bit more um, sophisticated, I think, in how we made it. Um, mm-hmm. and I had come back to New York, so we were using, we used several New York artists then. Um, and then that was, so that was kind of the end of 2015, 2016. Well, I guess 2015. Um, we kind of started to hit a crisis, really, I think, in, mm-hmm. in the development of Sketchbook School. You know, how, how would you describe this sort of crisis? I think um, we had so many tasks and so many things going on and we wanted to push out um, a, a sort of a consistent uh, calendar of um, uh, courses to keep on going and to keep on growing. But we also didn't really know what growth meant to us. So we were just really working very hard and... I think we worked so hard that if we wouldn't have put a stop to that, we might have burnt ourselves out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was also doing other stuff. I mean, I was doing, mm-hmm. I had been traveling all around the world. I mean, that in 2015, um, I was doing these uh, art, artisan residencies at various schools. And, you know, I traveled literally around the world. I mean, I went to, to Basel in Switzerland. Um, I was in Prague. I was in Vienna. Um, I was, China? Ch- I was in China. I was in Doha in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Vietnam and it just, 
and then I was also uh, working on my book, Art Before Breakfast, and I was doing public speaking, and it was just, it was getting to be way, way too much for me. I mean, I was just doing too many things, but I wasn't sure was sketchbook school what I, where I wanted to put my focus. And then, and then exactly, eventually yeah. I, I think both of us decided, cause you were also doing, you was continuing to do your blog and your newsletter and you had your own courses. Yeah. So- I had still my own courses running and that was also because we never really looked a lot forward you know we just looked at the next couple of months or something like that but we never really sat down to think about further future plans so both of us we weren't completely dedicated to sketchbook school yet. right and i think we were also i mean there's a thing that they say that happens when you are an entrepreneur um, that usually happens in your second year of being in business. And that's definitely when it happened to us, 20, mm-hmm. 2016, which is you hit a wall. Uh, they call it the dip. And that's the point where that initial enthusiasm has worn off. And most businesses fail at that point. You know, I mean, 90% of small businesses don't last to that third year. Um, and I think we were feeling a lot of that pressure. There was also so much complexity that we hadn't anticipated in terms of actually running a business. Neither of us had ever really run a business. I had worked in other people's businesses. But, you know, the fact that we had to have um, accountants and banks and lawyers the fact that we had to deal with all these film crews we had more and more teachers who were you know part of our team we had um we had real started to have real problems with rizuku which had been our our platform at the beginning and we started to realize like we were outgrowing them they weren't letting us know what their plans were so we didn't know if we could really build a substantial scalable business on this platform and so then we decided I know, let's build our own platform, which right. which took up, uh, an, basically, 2015, we spent a lot of time dealing with that, building our own platform, hiring developers, spending a lot of money on that, and ultimately being really unhappy with it. We had a lot of problems with that. Our students complained about it. it was- and I think also around that time, we were, we were thinking about the subscription model. Yeah. As well. Yeah, so we had this idea of a subscription model, which meant that users instead of instead of buying a class you would buy a subscription to sketchbook school and then we would put stuff out there on a regular basis but even thinking about that first of all from a technical point of view that was pretty complicated but also um we realized like okay that means that we have to keep making stuff all the time we have to keep making classes we have to and and that became very complicated and then we spoke to some of our students and said what do you think about this and they said oh I don't know if I really like that idea. You know, I want to be excited about one particular course that I sign up for, but I don't know that I need a constant drumbeat of stuff from sketchbook school. So we were kind of a bit lost. I think we had taken on all these things that we didn't know about. Um, but more and more and more, these were about managing the business, not about making art or teaching. You know, and I think that's what started to overwhelm us. We didn't really have anybody else managing. My my wife, JJ, had helped us a bit, but then she she went off to work. Your husband, Pascal, had helped us, but, um, you know, he had his own job. Um, and, you know, we were also putting out a blog and we were doing a blog post almost every day. We were making, you were making Draw Tip Tuesday videos. I mean, when you sit down and look at the list of what we were doing, small wonder, I think, that we just felt like uh, we're... <laughs> Like, and, and I think we got to a point where in November of 2016, we were 
almost ready to quit, you know, and we, we had a meeting in Berlin and, um, you know, that was the point where we kind of suddenly realized if we're going to do this, we have to go all in on this and nothing else. Yeah, I think I, it was a little bit earlier that we um, talked about um, the commitment that we both should have, like being committed fully to sketchbook school and not wanting to do all kinds of other stuff next to it. Um, I think that happened just half a year before that or something when I went to New York. Remember that? Right, yes. Because I remember sitting on the plane and thinking, this might be the last time I go to New York. This might actually be the end of sketchbook school. We're going to take some decisions this week. Um, and then when we were in Berlin, we had huge brainstorms and also brainwaves, you know, like, oh, wait, what if we do this and that? And that, that really gave us um, some new energy, I think. But it took a while um, before we really were both committed, fully committed. To yeah, and I think school. we also got advice from other people who yes. run businesses. And, and one of the things yeah. that people had said to us repeatedly was, A, don't do everything yourselves. And also mm -hmm. figure out what is it that you are good at and you like doing and hire other people to do the other stuff. Um, and, you know, we had originally not thought of ourselves as a company that would have a bunch of employees. I mean, we were obviously Morgan was really important to us and she was the dean of students but you know we you know kosha is in amsterdam i'm in new york morgan's in columbus we don't have an office so we kind of couldn't really imagine like how are we going to have other people but we did hire some sort of part-time people like we had a um uh, a a couple of different people who were helping us on the blog and helping us create social media things. And that took some of the pressure off. And yeah, but, but it was still also a lot of figuring out and then finding out that the person who said they were a social media expert didn't really know what they were doing. And so, but yeah. I think that's part of, yeah, hiring people as well. Yeah. And we also wanted to get people who would, who understood sketchbook school and could, if, if they wrote something on behalf of sketchbook school, it really seemed like sketchbook school. It wasn't like, um, you know, some generic social media post or article or something like that. And that took a lot of work to get that done as well. So sometimes when you hire somebody, it takes more work to get them to do the job than doing it yourself and overcoming that temptation to just say, Oh, step aside, I'll just do it myself. Why did I hire this person? You got to say, no, I've got to train them. I've got to trust them. And, you know, so that was, and it, and we went through a lot of different people, frankly, before we, um, got the people who we have now. Mm -hmm. uh, and another part of it, I think was, was marketing. You know, I think we had originally thought the way that we're going to market sketchbook school is we're just going to tell people who know our work and who know our teachers work, Hey, we've got a class. And then that will kind of take care of itself because that's sort of the way it had worked at the beginning. But the problem with that was, um, you know, it's fine to do one class that way and to do it on, you know, build up a lot of ex excitement, but we all realized that, if we want to make a real business out of this that could support, you know, several people and could pay our teachers properly and not, you know, raise our prices so that, you know, t students uh, felt ripped off, um, we're going to have to figure out how to roll out a number of these classes and how to sort of work on a, on a higher scale. Um, so, 
I think that's been the lesson of the last couple of years. And Mm -hmm. when it came to marketing, we realized like, you know what, we're going to have to start bringing in new people because we can't expect the same group of people who've taken our classes in the past we can't count on them to want to take every single schedule school class ever. I mean, we hope not. We hope that people, you know, eventually have taken enough classes and they feel confident to go off and make their own art. Um, but so we had to start bringing in new people. And so that meant doing some advertising and spending some money on advertising and getting some experts to help us do that. So that's kind of been what the last couple of years have, have helped us to do to grow. Yeah. And that, inv- yeah. and that meant learning a lot of new skills there too, because, um, learning how to do marketing, it's, it, it's a, it's about half or more of our job. You know, it's nice to make courses, but, mm-hmm. you know, keeping social media going and doing advertising and doing all that kind of stuff. It's, if you want to build a real company, that takes, um, a lot of time and investment and effort. So, you know, we don't generally and talk it's about kind of a moving, moving object as well. You know, things change so fast. So first, um, something works like an ad and then suddenly algorithms change or, you know, Facebook is changing all the time and then it doesn't work anymore. So you need to find out again, which way to go. And, um, even we even see that in our Facebook groups, uh, you know, Morgan, we've seen a lot of, things being added to the Facebook group. So, uh, the community could really, you know, connect and then suddenly it disappeared again right. while they were really helpful. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's always changing. And that's sort of just us, I guess, trying to learn to use the tools we have and appreciate them when they're there and then be flexible and adapt, you know, when things change. Um, yeah, I think that's been the name of the game, at least for me, is just being adaptable. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people have also come to us and said, oh, will you do a thing with us? Will you uh, collaborate with us? Uh, let's do something together. You know, so handling that part of it and, and figuring out like, well, are these people who we want to work with? Are these people who our customers, our students are going to like? Um, you know, sometimes it, are, are you at the same level of quality that we insist on? Uh that's been another sort of avenue because we, we want to grow and we want to connect with other people, but we want to make sure that it's right. And so you have to spend time doing that. And I think it's also really important to define what growth is because I remember getting really nervous if people who were very um, business uh, savvy would tell us like, you could easily make this a billion dollar business. All you need to do is da, 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 da. And then we would get really nervous and, you know, we need to do this. We need to grow. But then at the end of the story, we were like, we don't really want to be a a billion dollar business. We basically just want to have fun on a daily basis, on the jobs that we created for ourselves. We want to share the creativity and all the things that we learn rather than, you know, making this a booming business that that, that in the end might feel very unpersonal, uh, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's really something to that we learned to define as well. What is growth? What is success? Um, because we... If you don't really know that, then you you can't grow. No, I think that that's absolutely true because I feel like we didn't want to become 
business people that we didn't want to sort of sit in an office and tell other people what to do all day. That was never the idea. I mean, in fact, I'd quit a job where I had been doing that, you know? So yeah. I think it was like, I think what we've always looked for is what, who do we want to work with? Who do we want to film? Which teachers and artists do we want to meet? Um, what are the conversations that we want to have online? You know, what are the, what are the experiences that we as artists think help us develop? And then how do we get that done? That's, that's really what sketchbook school is there for. You know, so I think there have been times when we've done stuff when people who are our customers would say, why the hell are they doing that? Um, but we were doing it because we liked it or we were doing it because we wanted to meet people. I think, I think that's another thing that's been changing in the last year or so is trying to be a bit more, a, a bit more clear about what it is we're doing and, and teaching and selling. So we've, we offered a lot of courses that were just like, here's an experience to hang out with this teacher. And now I think we're moving to how can, what can we specifically teach you and who can we find that will help us to teach this best? So, Classes. Yeah, but we, we wouldn't have come here if we wouldn't have done those more experimental things and, you know, being very stubborn, like, we think people need this. Right. And then we would learn that people did not need it. But um, I, I think um, the amount of playing and experimenting that we have done has brought us to a much clearer idea of what we want our business to be. Yeah, I think we've also been guided by what we see other people doing and saying, hmm, do we want to do what they're doing or do we want to, yeah. you know, so well, I think we look at um, other platforms, the teaching platforms, whether it's um, uh, Craftsy or Udemy or, um, you know, even Skillshare, Skillshare or even things like, blind. yeah, even things like, uh, YouTube where people, you know, do their own businesses and teach their own classes there. Or we look at something like sketchy and we just, we, you know, there are things that we say that's interesting, but then there's a lot of things we say we don't want to be doing that. We want to have, we want to always have a personal experience and we always also always want to go beyond just teaching you technical things and focus on you as an artist, you as a person, what are you getting out of this? Why are you doing it? Why would you keep doing it? Um, you know, it's not just about learning to draw better, but it's learning to love to draw and to mm -hmm. be part of your life and to, to get the kinds of things that you and I have gotten out of it over the years, you know, like realizing like, you know, it's, it's drawing in a sketchbook isn't just about making drawings. It's about understanding the world around you better. It's about traveling and, and having adventures. It's about meeting other artists. It's about experimenting. It's about getting confidence, all these kinds of things. Like that's really what is at the heart of sketchbook school, not teaching you, you know, how to do cross hatching. But now we realize like we need to, to help people do that part of it too. And to focus more. So I think like when we started doing classes, like, um, creative lettering, uh, let's make a map, um, let's make greeting cards, and even how to draw without talent. Those are classes that are a bit more focused on a skill. And um, so watercolor rules is another example of that, where we're going to just teach you these basic things, but we're also, we're never going to stick entirely to it. We're still going to, you know, bring in some creativity and some sort of bigger lessons. You know, um, mm -hmm. hey, Morgan, I'd be interested, yeah. you know, in your I mean, you've been with us for almost five years now. Like, what is your perception of like how things have changed over that time? 
Yeah. I mean, I think about when I first started, um, you know, helping you guys out, it was super part-time and the emphasis was on, you know, the course creation and making sure people had a good customer experience. And for me, my background was always about connecting people with art. So I went to school, I wanted to be an art teacher for a while. And then I saw all my friends struggle to get jobs and keep jobs because public school art teachers right now are kind of like an endangered species. (laughs) So I, you know, I didn't really know where this was going to take me and I loved putting people together and I loved kind of putting people in arts experiences. So, you know, sketchbook school sort of morphed into this big, like breathing, moving, complex animal, (laughs) which, um, you know, I'm picturing it now as this giant, really cool beast. (laughs) And and so it's a beast. It is a beast. It really feels like one. And it just sort of evolved into much more than just people connecting with online content. Um, And it turned into this really big living, breathing community. And I think, you know, when I first started with you guys, I didn't really expect that. Um, I thought I was just sort of jumping in as a customer service helper and maybe an occasional IT fixer. Um, But then it sort of became this, this animal that I, you know, kind of started to like work with and train and grow with. (laughs) Um, And so the community aspect is, you know, one of the things that makes us unique. And I think that you guys have kind of maintained the vision on it being about more than just signing in, watching a video, learning how to do something and then leaving. Um, And, you know, that's kind of a trajectory that a lot of our competitors follow, which is great. And some people love it. But I think we've focused more on sort of the community element. And for me, that's been so exciting because it's sort of become my career. And, um, you know, I can't say I ever expected that a few years ago when I, when I first signed on. No, I I mean, you've done an amazing job at it. And I think people really look to you for, you know, for guidance and help. You're the person who's there to answer technical problems, but also you start conversations in the community and you always represent to us. You always represent like, how do people feel? Like, what are they, what are their concerns? What are they like and not like, you know, it's, it's so great for us to have one person who kind of is a representative of the community. Uh, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's really helpful. And I think that's what led us to, to SketchCon in the end was throughout people have said to us, when can we all get together? Like, it's been great that we're meeting online, but when can we meet in face to face? And we've always been kind of resistant to that, I think, because we've always felt like we don't, we like the idea that we're an online community because it means that everybody can join us. They don't have to, you know, it's not um, a big expense. It's not a big burden to travel. It's just, you know, you open your computer and there we are. And, but we also know that when people get together, all kinds of other things happen. And that my experience five years ago at that weekend at row reminded me of that. You know, it's like one thing to talk to each other on Facebook, but it's quite another thing to have a meal together, have a glass of wine together, share your sketchbook with the other person and just talk it through. But, um, you know, I think we also were, were scared of it, scared of what it would be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think the idea of putting on a big party when we're not party planners, you know, uh, putting on, if handling all the hotel reservations and the logistics and the expense and, you know, being responsible for 
hundreds of people coming to a place that was just terrifying. But fortunately, it all, it all kind of became possible when I was speaking at um, at a at a conference in New York that was being put on by a company that I had worked with. But they did they do a lot of conferences, and so I was speaking to the guy who was the head of it, and he said, "Oh, it'd be great if we could work together." And I said, "Well." I'm curious about conferences, um, you know, and you guys are really expert at it. Do you think that that's something that we could do together? And he said, yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. So that's kind of how SketchCon sort of started to come together was because we had a partner and that partner is a big, big company called F&W Media that publishes a lot of different creative magazines and magazines about drawing and watercoloring and pastel um, painting and also pottery and woodworking and various other things and also writing and they put on a dozen workshop uh, uh, sort of conferences like this a year and so the kind of arrangement we made with them was like we'll kind of come up with the content and you guys come up with the logistics and they said that's great because we want to learn from you guys about your approach to our teaching and we said great we want to learn from you about your you know conference putting on abilities and so that that's why i think sketchcon now is still a very big and complicated thing but it feels like something that isn't going to be a disaster in fact it's going to be awesome it's going to be so awesome i cannot wait i literally cannot wait and i feel like we're going to blow the roof off the place when all that energy gets contained in one place i mean i know people are so excited (laughs) yeah yeah so if you are listening to this and you haven't a signed up for a class at sketchbook school of course you need to go and do that go to sketchbookschool.com if you haven't signed up for sketchcon there's still some tickets left the prices are about to go up so you might want to do it soon go to sketchcon.com to find out more about that but um let's talk a little bit about the future because we've spent a lot of time talking about the past and the present um Next year is, you know, yet another kind of transition for us. We're going to be coming out with our first book, How to Draw Without Talent, hopefully the first of a line of books that we'll be doing. Um, We also have several new courses that we're we're planning now that we're going to be bringing out. And uh, we're also thinking, do we want to do future SketchCon? So it's going to be another set of of changes, but uh, all positive ones, I think. What do you think about next year, Kosha? I'm excited. I'm excited for the things that I don't know yet are to come because there's always um, surprises um, as we are working in such a creative team with, yeah, and we're always coming up with new ideas. Um, So I'm super excited to know that we can pull it off as well, you know, with every course that we launch and now also with SketchCon it gives great confidence, you know, that if you put your mind to it, if you put good planning to it and with all the things that we learned uh, production wise and also um, management wise, we can pull things off and we can make amazing stuff and have fun at it as well. So yeah, I'm super excited about 2019. Yeah. I think we, I think we have to, we are figuring out that we always need to, focus what we do that when that we want to keep growing and expanding but we may at the same time have to get rid of some things that we've done in the past we may need to you know we might 
need to take off some of our courses off the shelf. We might need to, um, you know, focus the kinds of new things we make courses about. We're also talking to some people about doing foreign language editions of sketch, sketchbook school, uh, which is interesting, but again, another big undertaking and we are going to need help with that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in SketchCon, like there have been talks about maybe doing smaller versions of SketchCon that could be in different places. That could be just a weekend. Um, we're talking about doing, maybe doing one in Europe, maybe doing one on the East Coast. But then again, sometimes we'll say, you know, maybe we, one and done. We did, a, we did a SketchCon. It was really cool. Let's think about other stuff to do. It's, uh, there's so many possibilities, but. And who knows what kind of ideas it will you know, create. Once SketchCon is happening, we might get new ideas and we will probably get a lot of feedback from the attendees and they will also have suggestions, I'm sure. Right, exactly. I think think also finding new people to work with who can handle some of the stuff that that we can't do or, or, you know, aren't able to do because of the time constraints Mm -hmm. is important. So we're always looking for new associations to have. But I think in in general, our goal is still the same as it was five years ago, which is, you know, to provide um, art for all, to, to provide educational experiences for people, community experiences, and to make things that are entertaining and inspiring, you know, and to, and to form connections with people that we're not just saying, hey, take one course at Sketchbook School, but we're saying, join us in a lifestyle, a lifestyle of being a creative person, of making things all the time, of learning, you know, lifelong learning, which is such an important part of, of um, I think, have, being happy is to always have new experiences and learn new things and try test yourself out out and that we're always going to be here doing that offering different ways some of them will work some of them won't work some of them will be right for you some of them won't be right for you but it's it's an ongoing thing you know i think that that's at the core of what we do and that's what i'm so proud of yeah me too and i i love it that we get so many ideas just through talking with the community with which of course morgan is a has a large role in that we get new ideas, you know, um, people just tell us what they need and then we can see how we can accommodate as well. And I love that. Yeah. Giving us feedback, you know, even if it's like crazy feedback, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, wouldn't it be great if you could do such and such, you know, we put it in the pot, you know, we may not be able to do it right now, but we're still thinking about it. So SketchCon, you know, people have been asking us for that for three or four years now, finally, that's happening. People have been asking us for, you know, they'd ask a, a, for a drawings fundamental class from the beginning, and we finally put that out. They've asked us for a course focused on watercolor, and then there's a bunch of other things that you've asked us for that we'll, we will be doing next year. I mean, we have them planned, so um, those will be coming, and uh, we, we need to keep some surprises. We've told you an awful lot. Of, we've pulled back the curtain and showed you a lot of our, you know, how the sausage is made in this, <laughs> in this podcast, but... Um, <laughs> You know, I think to me, it's been something that has been an incredibly fun adventure. I love working with both of you guys. I love working with the other people in our, in our group. And it's been, um, you know, it's the thing that I'm proudest of that I've done in my life is, is sketchbook school and, um, you know, and where it's going to go. Yeah, Yeah, I totally agree. And the impact you guys have had on, you know, sort of growing this into this empire has been incredible to see. Um, and like you guys said, I can't wait for another year of it because <laughs> it's only going to get 
cooler. <laughs> I know. Okay, well, we'll do another episode on our 10th anniversary. So I'll see you guys <laughs> there then. There you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> was a lot to cover. I hope you're still with me. Um, we probably left out a bunch of important things despite all the detail we went into. Nonetheless, I hope you found it useful and interesting and uh, maybe it uh, kept you company while you were making something really cool. Sketchbook School has been such an all-consuming but endlessly rewarding project. It's the best job that any of us have ever had and we hope that you enjoy being a part of it too. As I said, this brings the first season of Art for All to an end. I hope you found it interesting and inspiring, a pleasant sort of companion as you make whatever it is that you create. It's been wonderful to hang out with you, and I will see you again in a short while. Meanwhile, I hope you'll join us in a course at sketchbook.school or at SketchCon in Pasadena. Until next time, I'm Danny Gregory, and this is Art for All. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And remember, visit sketchbookschool.com and claim your free ebook and your monthly newsletter. Our community is always growing, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Art for All.